Hello and welcome to No Confidence. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. It's November 3rd, 2016. A Thursday evening call for No Confidence. The title of tonight's show was Pete Hendrickson Filers Indicted. And uh, uh, I make no secret of it. I think what Pete Hendrickson has done is a huge disservice to and against good, intention, well-intentioned Americans by selling his roll of toilet paper called Cracking the Code. He's not an analyst. He's not a researcher. He's not a scholar. And when you read what he writes and compare it to how judges write, and uh, accomplished attorneys right you can tell he hasn't been up against the government's best and when you read his essays uh, he has problems with sentence structure he has a strange lexicon and he has the philosophy of uh, he'll talk about what he calls his successes which is getting uh, an abundance of refunds for people for taxes that they paid out during particular years by filing certain tax returns. I think he claims a credit under Section 1341 for like-kind exchanges. <clears throat> and indeed, many, many people got their money back, but many people also went to prison for filing those returns, and countless numbers of people have gone to prison, or uh, excuse me, have been leaned and levied into poverty with penalties and interest for filing those tax returns. That is not success. That is a gamble. And that's all he's done. I've seen it happen with five different individuals. Lynn Meredith, um, uh, let me see, Irwin Schiff, Al Carter, Glenn Ambort, and Pete Hendrickson. A whole bunch of people got their money back. The IRS has three years to challenge a document filing. And in two and a half years, all those people were leaned and levied into poverty. Christine York, 1993, February, died of a massive stroke because in the fall of 1992, she was leaned and levied. Uh, she was a very fragile, uh, very nice lady who filed uh, non-resident alien tax returns, 1040NRs, and was leaned and levied, $500 penalty apiece. Um, she was a human resources specialist for a corporation, and uh, self-sufficient, self-reliant, and her whole paycheck was stolen, and she had to move back into her mom's house. She, uh, her credit was destroyed, and the IRS wouldn't tell her what the proper form was, and she, uh, one day her digestive tract went into paralysis, and she laid on a gurney, in the University of Washington Medical Center for 30 days undiagnosed 
with no digestive movement whatsoever and about 30 days in she died of a massive stroke and Pete Hendrickson is out there playing games he's not a researcher he's not an analyst he's not competent and in his book cracking the code he runs right past a bunch of gold mines that I found in and briefed in my 1994 treatise and that 1994 treatise since 2006 has prevented no future uh, no fewer than a dozen indictments that's what I do I prevent people from going to prison Pete Hendrickson works to get people thrown in prison and for anybody that can't see the difference between those two <clears throat> go back to the Patriot movement you're made for them they're shysters and all their websites are evidence of wire fraud uh, 18 USC 1343 the Patriot movement would never be able to tell you that statute fraud by wire radio or television and when you commit fraud on the internet it's an 18 USC 1343 indictment that you'll be facing pardon me a second <clears throat> so I'm into preventing indictments and to do so I can educate somebody on a couple of issues if you wanted to you can learn everything I teach it's right in the flash drives you'll find on wevgov.com the uh, website right there has a whole bunch of information for free there's a link in the menu column on the left hand side it says YouTube 2 click on that link it'll take you to my YouTube channel free seminars there whole bunch of free stuff buy my materials so that you have desk references you'll have a video guide to the findings in my 1994 treatise if you get the codebreaker flash drive the codebreaker videos seven segments three hours 45 minutes of instruction and getting back to the topic how do I prevent indictments by educating anyone who will listen on two primary arguments they're the ones that do the heaviest lifting they answer the two biggest questions ever asked about the tax code how does the tax code apply to Americans and secondly does the tax code impose a tax on my compensation for services those are the two biggest questions you can ask. the third one would be um, does the tax code require that I file a tax return that's number three I can go there but I choose rather to stay with the first two primary arguments that do the heaviest lifting you'll see them sketched on wevgov.com on the federal income taxation page and again this is beamed tonight's show is beamed at the Pete Hendrickson filer who has uh, section 1341 tax returns out there in the IRS's hands and I'll tell you the game that the government plays by refunding all this money it's an investment and who could resist if you were our public servants they'll refund your money and they know that the person that taught you what to file doesn't know what they're talking about 
and you file these returns and you get all your money back. And then you send a photocopy or a photograph of the check from the treasury to Pete Hendrickson or whoever taught you. And then they post that picture on the web on their website and say, hey, look what I did for this person. They got all their money back. And then in two and a half years, when you're leaned and levied, you can't find this person. They don't know how to write a brief. They don't know how to defend their issue in court. They don't have anything to offer you. They have fed you to the wolves. Now on the government side, they view this as, hey, there's somebody out there with a new book. It's called Cracking the Code. And he's got a bunch of people convinced they should file returns like this. What do you think, boss? And the boss says, hmm, let's see. Why don't you go ahead and issue a whole bunch of refunds? Whenever you get this, go ahead and issue a refund. Cut them a check. Send them a check. And monitor the guy's website and get back to me every week on what the website says. And so they got a scheme going where they'll give you your money back. Why? Because they know in two and a half years they can tag you with a $5,000 penalty for each of those returns and charge you interest on the money that they refunded to you and they can levy you for the money they refunded and the penalties and the interest. They make a whole bunch of money off of Pete Hendrickson. Also, we have all these IRS employees. How do we keep them busy? Issue a bunch of refunds to Pete Hendrickson filers so they have things to do later. That's how it works. I've seen it five times. Like I said, beginning in the early 90s, Glenn Ambort, Lynn Meredith, Al Carter, Glenn Ambort, Pete Hendrickson, same thing. And the government makes a bunch of money and to drive home the point, they'll indict a bunch of these people too. And so that's the game. The Patriot Movement plays its game of incompetence and the government plays its game of slam dunk. For anybody arriving late on the call, I'm going to post this later. I'm recording it at my home. Um, much better quality. Uh, it's easy to beat talk shoot uh, quality. So I tape these at home and I'll post them later. And there's a whole archive of calls here at 59615 and at 87488. Now, um, so that's the game. The government invests in the Patriot Movement by giving all these refunds. And when they go back on collection mode, they'll indict a few people, such as James Back, Anchorage, Alaska, 2014, sentenced to 16 months for filing six or seven Pete Hendrickson tax returns. He was an Alieska oil pipeline technician in Alaska making $125,000 plus per year. And his life was destroyed. He went to prison because of Pete Hendrickson. Let me give you a docket number on that case. Uh, get ready to write. I'm not going to type it into the chat, but I'll read it out to you. Uh, it's very important. It's vital. Uh, that you understand uh, these dynamics at play when you mess with the IRS. It's, I can't tell you how important it is. It really is. Um, let's see here. I'm scrolling through a particular letter. This letter happens to be in 
the criminal intent course that I offer on wevgov.com. In fact, I will paste this into the chat here on TalkShoe. Uh, give me a second. Track you down here. Here you go. Bingo. This is the uh, it talks you won't. Uh, there it is. There it goes. Okay. This is the trial memorandum filed by the government, document seventy-seven in James R. Back, U.S. versus James Back, in Anchorage, Alaska, case number three, full colon fourteen dash CR dash zero zero two zero dash RRB Anchorage Alaska document 77 filed September 22nd 2014 from the top United States versus James back case number three full colon 14 dash CR dash zero 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 two zero dash RRB District Court, Anchorage, Alaska, document 77, filed September 2nd, 2014. The government's trial memorandum in that case uh, says, and he was a Pete Hendrickson tax return filer, uh, if you did a search on uh, Google for articles of uh, James Back, Anchorage residents sentenced for tax evasion or tax crimes, You'll come up with articles about James Back, uh, 51 years old, going to prison when he was making 125000 a year or more as a pipeline technician. And for Pete Hendrickson's sake, he went to prison. There's another uh, blog that you can find out there on Mark Stevens' website, M-A-R-C, Mark Stevens, where a guy tells of uh, filing... Him and his wife filed 14 Pete Hendrickson tax returns and got a $5,000 penalty for each one. $70,000. They're 50 to 52 years old. He and his wife, only one of them is employed. They had to move into a hotel and they're losing everything they've got. $70,000 worth of frivolous filing penalties for the sake of Pete Hendrickson. And this is something, you'll get him to talk about his book, but he won't talk about the people that went to prison and the people that he's destroyed. And that's a derelict. Pete Hendrickson is a derelict. And people go to prison because they screw around with a government that if they can't handle you with the law, they'll handle you without the law. You have to know your enemy. And I've been advising people since the late 90s, mid-90s, what you do is you start a home business and you gather all the deductions that H&R Block says you'll get away with. And at the end of the year, you look at the amount that you ultimately had to pay as the price of admission to a shouting match with your congressman. It's all you can do in America. Do not screw with the IRS or you're going to have a permanent relationship with an agency that doesn't have to obey the law. Why would you want a relationship with them? It makes your body chemistry toxic. It'll pollute and corrupt your romance if you have a significant other. Why would you do that? And this is something, this is a question you'll never find anybody in the Patriot Movement asking. 
they all have the red pill, blue pill. Which one do you want? File this. Don't call me when you get in trouble. And I'm at the other end saying, don't screw around. I'll teach you. I'll prove to you. They violate the law for a living. It's racketeering and extortion. Don't mess with them. But if you feel you need to fortify your posture to convince them that you have enough of an understanding about the law that they can't get a conviction, I'm your guy. And take just section 83 of the tax code on wevgov.com. You'll see on the federal income taxation page, the bottom third of the page is about tax code section 83. And you'll see circuit case law tax court decisions and an IRS revenue ruling that say section 83 applies to all compensation it explains how to tax it it governs the taxation of compensation and Pete Hendrickson says oh it's gibberish well you don't have a choice if it screws me I'm screwed but if it protects me I want those protections and so I don't look at a statute that the government says explains how to tax everything you receive as a self-employed individual or an employee. I don't have the luxury of saying, well, it's gibberish. I can ignore it. And what if it protects me? I've got everything in Section 83 to prove that all property is a cost, including labor, and the government can't even refute it. But it's gibberish to Pete Hendrickson. So... In contrast to Pete Hendrickson, I'll actually educate you on a couple of very important arguments on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com to prevent you from going to prison. On 87488, here on TalkShoe, American Liberties with Chris Chapman. Chris Chapman is the first one to benefit from my approach to the tax code. In January of 07, he went before a grand jury with a criminal complaint I filed with 80 members of Congress one year prior to that. New Year's of 06. And he never heard from him again. And since then, uh, he immediately said, I got to know what you're doing here. Teach me what you're doing. Teach me your process. Because he already knew the arguments. He saw the briefing of it. And so I taught him the process and why I do what I do. And he learned how to do it. And in the uh, following few years, he prevented several others from going to prison. We've seen criminal investigations by the IRS shut down. We've seen grand jury proceedings result in no indictment or just closed down by the DOJ once the people involved, the prospective defendant, injected my criminal complaint that I filed with Congress January of 06. This was a 180-page document, a 58-page memorandum, a 33-page criminal complaint, an 8-page certificate of service, an 8-page, um, let's see, 12-page abstract of primary claim, a 8-page table of authorities, a 12-page notarized cover letter with a couple of exhibits from me personally, and then a bunch of exhibits in support of the memorandum and complaint. 180 pages all told, 180 members of Congress, or 80 members of Congress, it cost me about almost $6,000 to 
uh, perform the mailing, the notarization, the photocopying, the packaging, all that good stuff. <clears throat> and I went on record with a memorandum that briefed several key issues and told them in a sworn statement, the memorandum, that these are my conclusions and until they're disposed of with cogent, uh, responsible arguments to the contrary, I'll continue to act upon them. And they don't talk to me about taxes. So, uh, it's a matter of staying out of prison. That's my goal, is to teach enough so that you fit into, and I'm going to read you a quote directly from that trial memorandum in James uh, U.S. versus James Back, 2014. This is right out of the trial memorandum that the government submitted. Uh, they're they're uh, quoting Ninth Circuit Model Criminal Jury Instruction 9.42. This is what I do here. I try to fit into this description of innocence. In order to prove that the defendant acted willfully, the government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant knew federal tax law imposed a duty on him, and the defendant intentionally and voluntarily violated that duty. A defendant who acts on a good faith misunderstanding as to the requirements of the law does not act willfully, even if his understanding of the law is wrong or unreasonable. Nevertheless, merely disagreeing with the law does not constitute a good faith misunderstanding of the law because all persons have a duty to obey the law whether or not they agree with it. Thus, in order to prove that the defendant acted willfully, the government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant did not have a good faith belief that he was complying with the law. End quote. Now, what they left out of that was, the government also has to prove you have a duty to believe in. <laughs> first things first. And it goes on, this is the next paragraph in writing of this memorandum. The government says to the court, section 7203, that's failure to file, and 7206, which is uh, filing fraudulent tax documents, of the Internal Revenue Code use the term willfully. In Cheek versus United States, the Supreme Court set forth the following definition, quote, willfulness as construed by our prior decisions in criminal tax cases requires the government to prove that the law imposed a duty on the defendant, that the defendant knew of this duty, and that he voluntarily and intentionally violated this duty." End quote. The same definition applies equally to all tax offenses, misdemeanors and felonies alike. See U.S. versus Pomponio. In other words, if you know that you owe taxes and you do not pay them, you have acted willfully. See United States versus Easter Day. In a failure to file tax return prosecution, the government is not required to prove an intent to evade or defeat a tax, but may instead prove an intent to disobey or disregard the law, which may be the intent not to file a return rather than, than the intent to evade or defeat a tax. U.S. versus Meredith. End quote. <clears throat> so, they have to prove that the law imposed a duty on you. How did Section 83 operate in your conclusion, Iowa tax on my compensation? They can't talk. See how I just forced myself into this description of innocence. And so what I'm trying to do is keep people from going to prison. 
which makes me the opposite of Pete Hendrickson and plenty of other people in the movement. Take the example of uh, Adele Weiss. I've listened to a couple of calls of his. He sounds like a very nice man. He has no clue. Adele Weiss. His uh, website is weissparis.com. W-E-I-S-S. Weissparis.com. And on there you'll see his Notice of Deficiency, N-O-D, approach. If you get a Notice of Deficiency for $5,000, he'll help you go to tax court and he'll file, uh, give you documents to file. And tax court will then reply saying, you need to file a proper petition and you need to pay the filing fee by a certain date. Meaning what you filed was not a proper petition and you didn't pay the filing fee. Duh? Yeah, duh. So he follows it up with another document you can file that is not a proper petition and suggests that you not pay the filing fee, presumably because he thinks that gives them jurisdiction. And these documents tell the court, I'm a non-resident alien. You have no jurisdiction over me. And they're not a proper petition. And so tax court issues an order. And on his website, he claims to have gotten more than a hundred of these for his clients. Count with me, 100 clients at $5,000 a piece. That's $500,000. And tax court issues an order saying the petitioner filed certain documents that aren't a proper petition. The petitioner was ordered to file a proper petition and pay the filing fee by a certain date. But instead, they filed these other documents of protest. Accordingly, tax court hereby dismisses the action for lack of jurisdiction. And Adele Weiss thinks that's a victory. Look, no jurisdiction, no jurisdiction. Excuse me, you're the plaintiff. In tax court, you're the plaintiff. If you're dismissed for no jurisdiction, it is for one of two reasons. You petitioned the wrong court, or you failed to invoke the jurisdiction of the court. Well, you didn't file a proper petition and you didn't pay the filing fee. And if you don't have permission to not pay the filing fee, the court doesn't have any jurisdiction because you didn't pay the filing fee. And you didn't even file a proper petition. And so the court has no jurisdiction. And Adele Weiss thinks that's a victory when in fact it is him having blown your last chance to challenge an IRS determination short of going to bankruptcy when they lean and levy you for the money. $500,000 minimum he's made off of blowing people's last chance to go to tax court. And so it's easy to find these people out there that have a prescription on what to do. Uh, to his credit, uh, I think Mark Stevens handled it, says, after six years, finally, the IRS dropped the case. Oh, all right. Six years? You want a relationship with the IRS for six years? What is your time worth? Isn't it worth your time to pay them the little bit that they say you owe and then petition your congressman for a full explanation of the laws? The IRS's website, and I'm going to give you the exact address here in just a second, the uh, Taxpayer's Bill of Rights, right here. I'm copying and now I'm pasting into the chat, irs.gov. The Taxpayer's Bill of Rights, the first thing it says is you have a 
uh, right to clear explanations of the law. Well, how are you going to get that? They won't talk about Section 83, but at least now you're on record with a, with a, a refusal on the part of the government to discuss the law that explains how to tax your paycheck. That's progress. It, you may think it got you nowhere, but when it comes time for an indictment, excuse me, did you tell them that they owed the money? A question from the grand jury foreman, maybe? Did you tell them that they owed the money? Well, yeah, and uh, well, what was their response? They responded with a request for a clear explanation of the law. Well, did you provide it? No, we didn't. You just became a person far less likely to be indicted when you're on the record saying, I don't need grief, I don't need these problems that you people are famous for, tell me how to comply with Section 83. Tell me how Section 83 applied in your conclusion, I owe a tax on my compensation. They can't even talk about it. They ignore it, they don't enforce it, they won't talk about it, because Section 83, as explained on wevgov.com, the federal income taxation page of the website, Section 83 says only the excess over the amount paid is gross income. Well, what's the amount paid? The amount paid is defined in regulation as the value of any money or property that you paid. Labor is property. The term any is all-inclusive. Checkmate. All property is a cost, including labor. And they can't talk about it. So how do you get this? See, Lloyd Long and Vernice Kuglin and John Cheek had administrative records to show they had challenged the IRS's authority and bickered with them over certain definitions like 3401C, employee, so forth. And it showed that they made a good faith effort to understand the law. And they were found not guilty. Here, you understand the law, you tell the IRS what the law is, and they can't refute it. How much, can you see how much better that is than the posture of show me the law? Instead, you show them the law, they can't talk about it. Do they think they, uh, they want you in front of a trial jury? Because if you're acquitted, all the jackals in the anti-tax movement get the transcripts of your trial and they email them to everybody in the real estate agent so that everybody knows the government failed. It's terrible press. That's what I try to create. That's what my students enjoy, that status. They're knowledgeable of exactly the reasons under the law they don't owe what the IRS says they owe. Going back to a, a, a sentence I stated earlier, if they can't handle you with the law, they'll handle you without the law. Let me give you an example of that. <clears throat> you are leaned and levied and you can't keep the lights on, you can't feed the kids, can't put gas in the car, I need some relief. And so you go to the IRS Problem Resolution Branch, the Taxpayer Ombudsman. And they say, well, you've been a bad boy, you haven't filed these tax returns, and uh, what are we going to do with you? Well, I need to feed the kids, I need to keep the lights on, tell me what I have to do. And they'll say, okay, you file a claim for abatement and they'll give you a Form 911 or a Form 843 and you file a claim for abatement for this levy that they're, they've imposed on you to collect a Chapter 1 tax. 
Chapter 1, Section 1 is the uh, graduated income tax. They say where all Americans are citizens of the United States under Section 1, we're collecting this tax by levy and you need a claim for abatement. Chapter 1 is in Subtitle A. Subtitle A is Chapters 1 through 6. And so they'll say you have to make payments, we'll lift the levy, and you have to file all your back tax returns. So they're basically bending you over the tax code. And you get an abatement. And if you miss one of these payments, taxpayer breath, we're going to go back on, back into full-on levy mode. And you have to come back here and beg for help again. So don't miss a payment. You just got an abatement of a subtitle A tax, Chapter 1 tax. Section 6404B, as in boy, 6404B says no claim for abatement shall be filed by any taxpayer with respect to an assessment of any tax imposed by subtitle A or B. And they got a whole branch set up to give it to you. So if they can't handle you with the law, they'll handle you without the law. Think about how safe it is to violate that statute. It's a wheel that'll never get squeaky. Who's going to complain? Hey, the IRS gave me help and they're not allowed to. They're going to praise the law, uh, praise the Lord that they got help from the IRS. Finally, I can pay my light bill. I can feed the kids. And so it's a wheel that won't get squeaky. They can afford to violate it. They got a whole branch set up to violate it. So the law doesn't count. So anybody out there with a roll of toilet paper called cracking the code or cooking a vulture or the federal mafia, whatever. I'm, I'm hitting the big ones out there, okay? I can knock them right off their pedestal with a couple of doses of reality that you're up against a government that doesn't care. Every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. So don't think for one minute these people can defend you. I have a hard enough time just preventing an indictment. And I can only do that because you got a trial jury, maybe a grand jury involved in the loop that is your hedge against the corruption of the government. And that's all I try to do. I could teach you how to enter a Section 83 deduction on a tax return. You would get your money back. In two and a half years, you'll be lean and levied into poverty. And your marriage will become toxic. You lose your mortgage. All the equity in your home, they'll see whatever they have to do to seize the property uh, that they need to pay the frivolous filing penalties at $5,000 per tax return. Why would I do that to you? So I'm in the game of preventing indictments. It's not a game at all. I take it very seriously, obviously. Uh, I want your marriage to last forever. I want your children under a roof they recognize. I want your mortgage, uh, your equity intact in your house. And the only way to keep that is to keep it smooth with the government because the law doesn't matter. Thus, uh, the title of tonight's show, Pete Hendrickson Filers Indicted. Don't be one. Now, he says Section 83 is gibberish in a tax court case that I am currently handling uh, as a matter of futility, okay, tax court 
will penalize you for raising issues at law. <clears throat> so uh, the man, the petitioner, has reserved issues for appeal, telling the court with a middle finger that I know you'll penalize me for inquiring about the wrong statutes that apply to me. <clears throat> so let me reserve these for appeal and I'll raise these other issues under the Administrative Procedures Act instead. But in there, in his petition, he cited Talmadge versus Commissioner, 1996 is the date of the decision. It's a 1995 petition. Steve Talmadge met me. Uh, he's in, uh, I think it was in uh, South Carolina or North Carolina. And uh, he met me after he had made all of his arguments. Uniform commercial code, non-resident alien, basically the, the kitchen sink from the Patriot movement had been thrown at the court. And so I said, you know, it's too late to file a petition. Uh, we'll go ahead and draft a document you can file that raises Section 83. And he went ahead and filed that. And in November of 95, he had a hearing. And he says, uh, I'll concede all facts of the case today if they'll just tell me how to comply with Section 83. And they penalized him $6,500 for that. And they wrote a decision about Section 83 saying that you can't deduct your labor as a cost because you don't have a basis in your labor. There's no cost in your labor. You got your labor for free. You didn't buy it before you sold it. And so everything you bought when you sold it is a profit. Well, where's your permission to exclude labor for that reason or any other reason when the regulation that defines the amount paid, it defines the amount paid as the value of any money or property. And they can't point to an answer. Any is all-inclusive. You have to have a lawful provision, a regulation or a statute or both, that says all property is a cost except labor. And they don't have one. You'll find all the case law on any property on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com. It's all right there. There's a tutorial on my YouTube channel on the left-hand side of the website in the menu column at the top. Click on YouTube 2 and listen and watch the, uh, the Section 83 tutorial. Two and a half hours long. Nothing is left out of that video. You'll see the text of the Talmadge decision. And... Um, in this man's tax court petition, he's uh, quoted the Talmadge decision saying, this is what they say. And Talmadge appealed to the Fourth Circuit, and the Fourth Circuit said, based on tax court's reasoning, we affirm the decision in favor of the IRS. And so Talmadge is the rule. But it was 1996, 20 years ago, 20 and a half, March of 06. And in this case, I'm handling right now, he quoted Talmadge and said, this is the only case where they've gone on record with their reasoning concerning the Section 83 argument. And in response to that, the IRS uh, files an answer to the petition, as they're required under rule, to uh, deny and admit as they go through the complaint, they say, with regards to this paragraph, we admit this, we admit this, but we deny that. And then they go to the next paragraph of his petition, and they say, with regards to that paragraph, we deny and we admit this and that, blah, blah, blah. 
and they have to go through his, his entire petition and deny and admit. And here's what they wrote in response to his quotation of the Talmadge decision. Uh, pertaining to uh, and do not require admission or denial in accordance with a certain rule, tax court rule 36, to the extent of any of said allegations are deemed to be material statements of fact. Uh, the respondent admits the compensation paid to the petitioner, whether paid in the form of cash or property, is includable in gross income and taxable, and that his basis in his own labor for which he earned compensation is zero as stated in the opinion of the court cited by the petitioner. So, two weeks ago, the government went on record saying the standard is still just what the case in Talmadge said. And the Talmadge case simply said, you can't deduct your labor. Labor's not a cost because you didn't buy it before you sold it. Where's your authority to exclude labor from the term any money or property in regulation that defines cost? They don't point to a lawful provision that allows them to. And it puts them in this position. U.S. versus Monsanto and three other U.S. Supreme Court cases. Monsanto was a heroin manufacturer and dealer. And he got busted. And under the, the uh, anti-drug civil forfeiture statutes, the government can seize any property associated with the drug uh, scheme, the drug manufacturer scheme. And they seized any property, everything the guy had. And he said, hey, 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 you got to leave me attorney's fees. And the government says, where in the law do you see that attorney's fees are excluded from the term any property? We can seize any property. And he took it all the way to the Supreme Court the Supreme Court said, sorry, pal, you know, it's sad. This happens to all the heroin manufacturers. But if you, if you can't point to an exception in the law where attorney's fees are excluded from any property that they can seize, then they can seize any property. And in Talmadge versus Commissioner, and still, they can't cite a law that excludes labor from the definition of cost in 1.83-3G that says, for the purposes of Section 83 and the regulations that are under, the term amount paid refers to the value of any money or property paid for the compensation. Checkmate. So I, just two weeks ago, I got the government to admit that it's a policy. It is not a law. It is just their policy to exclude labor from cost. And they don't have a law that allows it when in fact the law says any property and therefore the law has to make the exception of some type of property and the law does not. All property is a cost. There's another regulation under section 83 1.83-4B2 that says to figure your cost you can go to section 1012 and the regulations they're under. Regulation 1.1012-1A says your cost is cash or other property. <laughs> and it doesn't exclude labor. And that's a standard that goes all the way back to the 1939 tax code, uh, section 111, 12, and 13. Cost, adjusted basis, and uh, gain or profit defined. 
So it's an old standard. It's always been there in the tax code. Now, I'm going to give you the web address for a letter that was just received by a California resident from the California Franchise Tax Board that said, uh, thanks for responding to our letter demanding a tax return based on what you provided. You don't have to file a tax return and there's no further action required by you. Here comes that address for the people that are just on the phone. Get ready to write. And I'm going to paste it into the chat for the people that are on the computer. Here it comes. Spell check. Okay. The address is wevgov.com, W-E-V-G-O-V, which stands for We the People versus Government. wevgov.com slash C-A-F-T-B. C-A, it's all lowercase. C-A for California, F-T-B for Franchise Tax Board. wevgov.com slash C-A-F-T-B dot PDF. A letter from the Franchise Tax Board. California Code Section 17081 says that a certain subchapter of the tax code is incorporated into state law by this reference. That subchapter happens to contain Section 83, and so Section 83 is state law. And a friend of mine who does this work on liens and levies uh, put a letter together inquiring, saying, I think you violated 17081. What do you got to say about that? And they said, no tax return. See you later. <laughs> So sometimes, sometimes, mostly in the instance of uh, whether or not somebody's indicted, we can get progress. But for the most part, the law doesn't matter. And so we walk very softly and we tell people, you know, you're dealing with Satan here and we want to keep you out of prison. And whether or not you can get a lien or levy lifted is a crapshoot. But this particular individual in Washington here that got that letter for those people, he does liens and levies. And uh, two years ago this month, he got a $244,000 lien lifted off of some real estate. I'm going to give you his email address if you're just on the phone. Well, Christopher J is the only one on the phone. He already knows this email address. This is the email address. I'm typing. This is the email address for Don Gron. A friend of mine, a pastor here in Washington, who tolerates my uh, profanity and rhetoric, bless his heart. JD.consultants at live.com. JD.consultants at live.com. And uh, he does liens and levies. It's tough work, he can't work for free. But uh, sometimes he's able to, to open the safe. And uh, uh, everybody needs that help. It's very important work. Uh, just as important as my work. But I've limited myself to the uh, criminal charges and preventing indictments. So uh, sometimes uh, you have this, this progress. And uh, when I know enough about the law to get you into that slot <clears throat> that the government describes as innocent... Uh, that's what I try to do. If your mind is open enough to to look at code pleading, and if all you learned was the Section 83 argument, you're still loaded for bear. But the first argument on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com 
citizens of the United States, if that's what I am, I'm only implicated by regulation. The 16th Amendment says Congress can lay and collect this tax. It has to be a statute, and the only place citizens of the United States are mentioned are in that regulation under Section 1 of the tax code. 26 CFR 1.1-1. Do you have a statute instead? And the government can't talk. That's the keyhole. That regulation is the keyhole through which they drag the tax code into the 50 states. So there's the first question. Does the tax code apply to Americans? That regulation made it so. Second question, does the tax code impose a tax on the value of my labor? No, all property is a cost, section 83 and section 1012. Now you have a good faith misunderstanding of the law. It's a misunderstanding they can't contradict, they can't brief their way out of, and I just got a ratification of a 20-year-old tax court case that went to the Fourth Circuit, and the Fourth Circuit said, yep, that's the way it is, and I can blow it out of the water with approximately, I don't know, two and a half tons of case law that you'll see, say, Section 83, or that any property means everything, unless the law provides for an exclusion. It's all right there on that uh, Federal Income Taxation page of wevgov.com. My name is David Merlin. This has been No Confidence. Thanks for joining me here on this uh, Thursday night call, November 3rd, 2016. Vote Republican. I'll see you on the next episode. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did have sexual relations with a horse. I am sick and tired. Sit down and shut up. I say good show.